You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, ready sisters? sisters? Welcome to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. And I am Scout, and we are Sisters IRL. And I must say, Mads, you're looking really tan. I don't know if it's the lighting of this Zoom recording that we're in, but you look tan. Well, you know what, sister? I'm not, but thank you for the great compliment. I must sit in low lighting more often. But actually, I did get, I did catch some rays today. Um, I sat in the pool and I did the one thing that I did all day today, which was read. And What'd you read? What are you reading? Scout. You know, I don't know why it took me so long to come to this realization. Um, I haven't mentioned it on the podcast. But I am now a romance novel convert. Ooh. Now. I, I, I don't know. know. I know. I hear the judgment in your voice. I hear the eye rolls. I understand the listeners might turn this off. But hold on. Let me explain. So I read that one book a long time ago before we were strangers. That was like just porn. Um, and it was it was quite great. I mean, I read it in one day. I was completely enveloped in the story. Read. It, I mean, I don't read books like that where it is all-consuming and all you could read. So I don't know why I kind of left that genre. It's just like that was my introduction into it. And then um, on one of my favorite podcasts, the Pop Culture Happy Hour with NPR, the main woman on, on it had recommended this book called The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. And, you know, I really respect this woman. I, I uh, you know, respect her, her recommendations and her taste in novels. So I decided to read it. And um, 
Yeah, if you're looking for an alternative to porn, like this is the book for you, okay? It is just, I mean, I just, you know, I think we all have this perception that romance novels are either uh, maybe a little inferior to other genres. They're, they can be cheesy at times and what have you. But I think we're we're looking at the wrong romance novels. There's this new whole world of these like burgeoning authors, these women authors that are writing these books that are actually like very witty, very sharp, intellectual, but are porn. And I mean, I guess I should say erotica, but it's like, it's just, it's, oi, oh my God, it is incredible. So actually I did post a TikTok of me telling the world that um, they should read hating the hating game if you are looking to watch porn in an alternative way and this tiktok went viral my friends it happened ladies and gentlemen we shall mark this moment as a time in history that maddie went viral once not again but once on tiktok a hundred thousand views about 10,000 likes and the comment section is on fire everyone is like Oh, girl, I was blushing in the park when I was reading this one. Oh, girl, you got to read this one. I now have 20 romance novel books on the queue. I am ready. I'm here for it. And they are just filling my soul in a way that I just like never thought was imaginable. So what am I reading now, you ask? Now I started reading Beach Read by Emily Henry. And now the title, I also scoffed at it. I was like, are you fucking kidding? Like Beach Read? But that's the point. It's a commentary on itself. It's a commentary on the romance novel itself. And, oh, Scout, what have I been doing all day? I sat for five straight hours, five, reading this book. And Were, were you reading outside, inside? Paint, paint the scene since we're getting super in-depth into the, uh, the contours of your book reading mind at this current moment. So I woke up. I had some okay. coffee. Okay, we don't need, we don't need well, a play-by-play. I'm, I'm just sh- asking I'm, where you read the book. I'm, ch- I'm telling you the environments. There were three. One was the coffee drinking portion of the reading of the book, which was in the c- couch. Then transitioned to the pool. Great pool. If you put the iPad underneath a shady spot or a chair, you can sit in the pool in the sun and read. That is a hot tip for, for the ladies. Now I started reading in our downstairs room on this couch over here. Four straight hours. I didn't move. I didn't get up. You didn't, you didn't pee because I pee every 30 minutes. I, I peed. I've never done this before. I peed with the iPad. Like I could not get my eyes off of this book. Like it is. Honestly, like I think that something has happened to you today in the sense that I think you were so inward and quiet for so long that right now it's just seeping out of your mouth and like yes. just going a little crazy. I and I, I also have paired it with the most perfect playlist called the Cozy Morning Acoustic Playlist. Scout, you would love this playlist. It's like Spanish guitar instrumentals, but like modern and just you feel like you're in Vicky Garcino Barcelona, but like not in like a Spanish way, but more in like a hipster way. Does that make sense? I don't know. But you guys should re- listen to it as you read because it's like the perfect soundtrack. It puts me at ease. I, everyone just please, please read these books. And join me on this journey because romance novels are no longer inferior and they are enthralling and they're all encompassing. And you know what? You're going to get a little tingle down there and it's going to feel great. Okay. Well, my book reading experiences have not been that interesting. And you know what? 
I would like to go in the record and say that I am as avid of a reader as you are, yet nobody really cares what I'm reading, which is, you know, interesting. But I just like nobody asks me, nobody repurchases the book I've kind of talked about. I think I've become a book influencer. It's it's actually my main passion in life. Okay, well, I mean, I hope the podcast is more of a passion than that, but... I finished Murakami's latest book, which I don't know how to pronounce the title, and like nobody does. It's Killing Commandator or Killing Commendator. We don't know how to pronounce it. Um, now, which the was first the first step in becoming a, a book influencer. Know how to pronounce the book you yeah, are trying to influence. But it's not of. that word isn't in the dictionary. <laughs> so Murakami, of course, of course. I looked. I Make looked it up. It up. Words. I tried to figure out what it even means. It's like not in the dictionary. So, anyways. I read it. It was one of his heftier books. I, it's hard to say how many pages books are on the iPad because you can like change the font and whatever. But it, with the font that I was using, it was like 700 pages. So it was it was good. It was definitely could have been. Yeah, it's Murakami. So he just like sets up insane worlds and goes slowly and really takes time for like very specific details. And then it kind of just like all comes together at the end. So obviously I recommend it wasn't my favorite Murakami book if you're still haven't read a Murakami book, I would definitely start with 1Q84 or The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. Um, they're on the longer side. But anyways, I'm in the middle of reading like a bunch. So now that I read like a huge fiction book, now I'm going to a nonfiction. So I'm reading The Clarity Cleanse, which is written by a doctor. And it's about the um, connection between emotional health and physical health. And then I'm also reading I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi, who teaches you how to get like your credit cards in order, your finances in order, your retirement funds in order. And he's amazing. I've heard him on like a million podcasts. He's so great. And then... Sounds so sexy. You just want to like curl up in a little chair and read about credit cards. It is pretty sexy. He makes it fun, dude. You should listen to him on podcasts. He was on Tim Ferriss's podcast. He's been on like all the big podcasts. Lewis Howes. He's great. So anyways, and then now I'm reading um, Break the Good Girl Beth by Maho Malfino, who's coming on our podcast in a little bit, and it is quite excellent. So, but yes, I am on the hunt for a new fiction book, and I know you recommended me some. Um, I have a few in my queue, but fiction right now, I'm doing a little nonfiction month right now. Amazing. We love to hear it. Scout, do, if, you do ever, you love to hear it? if you ever would like to join me, in this uh, newfound embark of love and passionate sex that I have been reading in full detail, I really welcome you to join me. I will consider, although it just sounds like it's a frustrating activity. Like, you know, like you're like turned on, but you have to go to bed, you know? Um... There's other ways you could take care of that without just having to go to bed. But, like, I don't really feel like masturbating every time I fucking read a book. Like, I'm not, I'm reading the read. When you read these, you will. You will want to. Oh, God, this face of yours. I'm going to screenshot that, baby. (laughs) Anyways, um, I am on this, like, awakening. These books are very pornographic, and it's just, I highly recommend if you're trying to be, you know what? say to tap into your sexual prowess and to get into your sexuality this is where it starts if you if you don't relate to other erotic forms of expression please go to the romance novel genre you will be tapped in or listen to dipsy who we had on the podcast who's also amazing it it kind of 
is similar in that way with like really? the very you know what I mean like it's a storytelling and it's descriptive but then it's also um very passionate and it doesn't feel you know it, mm-hmm. it's based on love rooted on love so okay it's great it's yeah great. it's a good time I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a go on the on the nice iPad. I'm actually thinking of selling my iPad and getting a smaller one because I have the really big iPad. And it's kind of like hard to like lug around if you want to go read at the beach, per se. Or this weekend when we went to Kate Sessions Park in Pacific Beach, San Diego, which we didn't even know existed, but it does. And it's beautiful. But anyways, um, uh, let's do a little bit of housekeeping, okay? We have a secret Facebook group, sisters. Okay, sisters, it's popping off. We have a newsletter that you should have gotten today that you can sign up at our website, okaysispodcast.com, and rate, review, subscribe. Woohoo! I think that's the main stuff, right? That is the main stuff. Okay, but before we get to this ep- week's episode, which is featuring Annie, an incredible female founder and entrepreneur, we wanted to talk to you. We know we've talked to you about it before. You've heard us. It's been on our Instagram. I take it every single night and every single morning. We're talking about Premium Jane CBD. So I'm kind of a CBD snob in the sense that I have been kind of tinkering around with a bunch of CBDs, trying some out, et cetera, et cetera. Some work, some don't. Some are better for you, some are worse. And honestly, guys, Premium Jane, I can't get enough of it. I take two tinctures every single night before bed, and it just, like, puts me in the mood, gets me ready to sleep, kind of, like, turns my day off. And then in the morning, I take a little bit, either a gummy or more of their natural oil, which, by the way, their natural oil doesn't taste like that hemp taste. So you don't feel like, you know, it's like a nice, natural, like, very blank, blank. I, I describe it as blank because it doesn't really have a taste, which I think a lot of people are turned off by CBD because of that gross hemp taste. So the taste is there. Or you can take, the, like, sugary gummy bears, which is such a That's fun way to I take do. CBD. Yeah. I pop, I pop a couple of those sugar bears, and those are – they feel – they like it's like you're taking – you're eating sour gummy bears. It's amazing. Yeah. And we know 2020 has been a shit show. And so we need all the help we can get, sisters. So if you are interested in jumping on the CBD bandwagon, if you've heard us talk about Premium Jane and you're like, maybe I should buy, maybe I shouldn't, now is your chance. If you go to premiumjane.com, we got you 20% off, sisters, with the code OKSIS. And that's premiumjane.com, promo code OKSIS. And the link is in our show notes if you want to just directly click order that CBD, get your mental health chill on right now, and, you know, chill with that, guys. Chill with that. (laughs) Premium Jane, chill with that. There we go. That's their new saying. (laughs) Oh, and it's super cute. It's super cute. Forgot to mention. Super cute. We always mention when things are super cute. No, we don't ever mention things that are not super cute. We don't associate things that don't have good branding. People should know that. Talking about good branding. This week, we had the glorious... Annie Chang, she has started a like branding and marketing agency called Aaliyah and Fig with her sister, Terry, um, which we love sister owned businesses. We love female owned businesses. Hello. But this brand is just very intentional. They work primarily with female entrepreneurs to make sure that their branding and marketing is on point. And these two women kind of came from the more corporate background and space, and they both experienced intense burnout. So we kind of hear about their transition into what their work looks like now and why they started a company together and with this like very solid foundation of self-care and rooted in kind of like how they want to 
prepare their life rather than it being solely about work and so intense rather like how can we um how can we create a boundary a work life and a work boundary and balance and they've successfully done that and it's what works for them which I really was it's so admirable that they've put together that balance for themselves yeah these two women are like highly overachievers we're talking about like Ivy League top schools they went to getting their master's degree working in Silicon Valley Annie um, talked a lot about her Silicon Valley experience and working in tech companies as a woman and just for them to really understand that this isn't the way they want to live their lives and to intentionally design their lifestyle that revolves around work around personal um, life around relationships was super awesome and she's just such a gem so we know you're going to love it sisters enjoy enjoy sisters my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. 
Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Annie went to Carnegie Mellon University for chemical engineering, then Duke University for her master's in management studies. She began her career working in tech in Silicon Valley. Before co-founding Aaliyah and Fig with Terry, she was in a leadership role in spearheaded business development and client experience. After realizing that she no longer wanted to move forward with the corporate path that she thought would lead to quote-unquote success based on societal expectations, Annie dedicated herself in making a life, not just making a living. Through Aaliyah and Fig, a mission-driven business, Annie and Terry have helped thousands of hashtag fempreneurs grow their businesses doing what they love, build client attracting brands online, and achieve success on their own terms. Without further ado, Annie. Hi, thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to finally be here and speaking with you guys. Yeah. Yay. We're so excited to have you. I mean, not only are you in a sister business, um, so we have a lot to talk about on, you know, tips and kind of, um, comparing our situations because it's a very unique one and we're so excited to have you and also we're gonna like I- I'm gonna ask all the marketing secrets because uh, <laughs> keep them coming yeah. keep them coming exactly. and I'm just gonna ask the entrepreneurial stuff because I have a client-based business myself and that's what really attracted me to you is because I work solely with women clients and so there's like this female kind of you know thread that kind of connects us so I am so excited to chat about with everything but let's do current fixation okay okay so um I got a smudging kit from my coach and a smudging kit is um it's like a sage and palo santo kit that you burn and I've always wanted to use it, but I'm always afraid I'm going to burn the house down. Like, I don't understand how it's safe. <laughs> but um, I decided to use it, and it actually burns quite quickly. Like, it's very safe. I'm here to report. And so I took the Palo Santo, and I put it all around my house, like on my pillow, around my husband. And then this morning, before I even had my cup of coffee, I sat down and lit it and just let it sit there while I was doing my morning journal, my journal, my morning pages. And it was just such a nice way to start the day. The smell of Palo Santo is incredible. It transports you to a spa. It transports me to Tulum. It's like walking into a wellness space. It's just a really great way to start the day. And there's like smoke everywhere and it's kind of, you know, mystical. Um, So that is my current fixation. I've been just like lighting it randomly just to get like a little, it's also just a nice little um, reminder to take a deep breath and to appreciate something so small as a beautiful scent. Um, as you wake up, as you go to bed, as you kind of need a refresher in the middle of the day. So similar to like why I used essential oils, this just feels more 360, like enveloping because I can like, you know, put it around my body and it kind of consumes my aura and stuff. So, um, and I love the smell. So I am super fixated on Palo Santo right now. Wow. Um, I was going to say, you said that you saged your husband. What? (laughs) 
Well, okay, no, I didn't. I didn't sage my husband. I only, I haven't used the sage yet. I'm only using the Palo Santo. Oh, I see, and I the see. Palo Santo is the wooden stick. Right. Okay. So that seemed less flammable than the sage for me to get into the smudging. Um, I just walked around the house. I went, you know, I like put it around myself. I put it around my husband. I put it around our pillows. I just kind of let it infuse around our house as kind of a cleansing, but also just like as a way for our house to smell really good. I love it. Love it. I'm all about the scent, the herbal scent too. So love it. Yeah. I have yeah. a, I have a, an essential oils. I actually have it here. I've mentioned on the podcast, it's called Campo and it also is, well, it's neroli, bergamot and sandalwood, which is, I think a similar camp as Palo And it's, it feels so energetic and, you know, I take a deep breath of it and it's like, it centers you and you just like get this burst of like focus energy. It's very, it is a very, um, impressionable scent and it actually does work. I love that. Okay, great. So yeah. my current fixation, everyone knows that during quarantine, I have been on a coffee journey. So I have been experimenting with different ways to make coffee, whether that's, um, pour over or the Chemex, or, um, also I've been trying, which is my current fixation, the French press. So I've heard that the French press makes the best cup of coffee. And I tried it a couple of times and I was just like, oy vey, this is way too watery, or I just haven't got the ratios right. And I think I finally figured out the ratios because I am making like stellar coffee. Like no one has time for bad coffee around here. So finally got the ratio right. French press. It's such a great ritual. It doesn't feel as like mechanic as all the other type of coffee makers that I have. So um, I love the French press. Do you have to heat up the water f- separately? Yes. So you do a water See, that's heater. why. that's why I can't do the French press because I literally need my coffee to be ready before I wake up. Oh, no, yeah. Okay. It takes like, like, it takes like 10, it takes like a 10 minute process. Yeah. Oh, no. I walk to my coffee and it's, and I pour it because oh it's ready. Do so. you? Do you? <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Okay, Annie, what is your current fixation? Well, first of all, I love both of your fixation. We got to have a side chat here because I love coffee and I love anything verbal, herbal. Um, anyway, so my current fixation, gosh, there's so many, but since now I'm drinking this. So I just got my like ceramic set from Kinto. Um, I think they're famous for their travel mug tumbler to begin with at a lot of coffee shops, I think. But I look into their ceramics. I love them. So that's kind of my current fixation. I just, I feel like my food, my drink just tastes better with like something that I visually is pleasing, you know? Yeah. You would get along really well with my husband because my husband loves ceramic bowls, ceramic cups. He actually, I'm going to get you the name of this. I'm going to send it okay. to you. Um, when I, we went our, to Tulum on our honeymoon and the hotel had these handmade coffee mugs from a local artist and he mm. artisan and he ordered like I think we have six of them in our house and they're cool. so great I mean you you would love them if you loved the one that you just showed me over zoom yeah I'm sure also Terry makes ceramic ceramics in general just on her personal time for fun it's like her relaxation ritual you know so very cool oh, yeah I would I love to love that That's <laughs> yeah awesome. ceramic I've, I'm huge on ceramics too I have a ceramic mug that I typically drink my morning coffee out of I think I got it in Portland and it's just such a I don't know it's obviously we I mean we're huge on aesthetics here of course so we always want things to be aesthetically pleasing but there is something different about drinking out of a cup that's like custom mm-hmm. and it feels like there's like 
some history behind it with the, with the artisan and what have you. Um, but yeah, love that. Amazing. Okay. Let's get into Oliad Fig. We are so excited to talk to you. So based on your intro, obviously you had a interesting pathway to being an entrepreneur. So you kind of started in the corporate world, um, you know, Scout and I are not corporate gals, so we hear you on like getting, you yeah. know, annoyed of that system and trying but also, to break it down. Not just the corporate system, you know, very prestigious universities and a very extensive education. So which again is also not in my wheelhouse. So this is like such a talk to us about this trajectory and what you didn't find fulfilling in the kind of step by step plan that one is supposed to take. Oh gosh. I think um I think yeah, I, you're totally right. I took such a kind of winding road to get to where we are today. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say any of my experience was wasted just because I'm like a big proponent on, you know, everything happened for a reason, that type of thing. Um, but I do think that uh, I, was fo- I was focusing on just doing what I should be doing, right? And that's why, you know, after university, one after another, and then master's and try to get a job in corporate world and just trying to climb that ladder without really thinking about what I actually love and what I actually need. And I, even before college, like the end of college, I never thought I was a creative person at all. And I never gave myself the room to even explore that. And I feel like I missed out a lot on that, to be honest. And um, at the end of college, I started exploring fashion and styling and just like any other girl, you know, just experimenting what, what calls for you. And that just opened up a whole nother world for me, not just fashion and styling, but just this, how I see the world, you know, when when you're creative, when you're in that zone, I'm sure you guys can relate to this because from what I know, you guys also seem like multi-passionate. That's why you have different things going on. Right. And I think I totally was not open to that world. And once you open that world, you just kind of see the world differently you see life very differently it's not that there's only one path and it's not like a game that you're trying to achieve um to get to a goal per se right it's just like a very flexible fluid thing that we're dealing with so yeah and was that like a progression of emotions or was there a catalyst to being like wait a minute like I just took all these steps without even internally checking in on, is this what I want? Was it because of a familial pressure or was there an expectation growing up? And, and what was kind of the moment when you started saying, wait a minute, who am I and what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. So um, just a little background. So Terry and I were actually both originally from Taiwan. We're Taiwanese. Um, we came to the States at around age 11. So I came first and then we're two years apart. So when she hit 11, she also comes here. Um, we went to boarding school. So our parents are still in Taiwan and we went to um, college after and master here in the States. And then, so she flew back to Taiwan in Asia after school because she wanted to, she likes lifestyle there. But growing up, my parents has been always been really progressive, but I think it's one of those pressure we put on ourselves. We feel like, oh, parents sent us here. They invested in us. We got to like make them proud. That kind of stuff, you know, and without even asking them like, what would make them proud, you know? So I think we just take on that societal expectation, like many people, I think, without being more intentional and mindful about who we want to be. Yeah, the immigrant story a little bit. I feel like a lot of when, you know, our our dad's an immigrant and when immigrants come over here, there's like this, I feel like there's this need to succeed that you feel at the back of your brain. Yeah, and you never really take a second to think about what does succeeding means, you know? Because as a kid, you just 
go with whatever other people are talking about, what you see on TV. And I think it just changed my world. I mean, honestly, back to what you're asking is I was in corporate and I, I was doing really well and I was reporting to the CEO and I thought that was it. And then I went abroad because I really needed a break. I was hitting burnout. And also because my boyfriend then, now husband, we were kind of hitting like uh, an issue because we were both so focused on work that we knew that we need a vacation to get away to really focus on our relationship. And I'm glad we did. But the thing is like, so we schedule a Euro trip. And as soon as I land, my vacation hasn't even started. I turn on my phone and there were just all these messages and, and emails pouring in. Apparently something really bad happened with like a really important client and our team was responsible for handling it. So of course I'm getting all these crazy calls and messages and I start responding to them. And I don't know, you know how when you're on your phone, you just don't know what's going on. Like you're moving, you're like, things are happening, but you're just so zoned in on your phone. And the last thing I remember was getting off the plane. And I don't kind of, I don't really remember how we got to the hotel. We even got to dinner that I reserved like months and months ahead of time. And we got there, we finished dinner and I was still on my phone. I just kept apologizing and everyone knew that I was like the girl on the phone, like not there because the restaurant is so small. And then I finally got off the phone with my boss. And then I was just like, what did I just do? This was supposed to be a vacation that was supposed to, for us to spend some quality time together. That's the whole point. And I booked this restaurant. This was supposed to be a great dinner. And my boyfriend just told me that, you know, the next time you really got to deal with work, maybe we can just do takeout at a hotel. Maybe that's better off. And that's when I realized that I'm just missing all these things in life that really matters to me. And that year, was just, I was just missing out on a lot of stuff. That was just kind of the last straw, I think. So I quit right after I got back. And I was just wow. like, I got to own my life. I don't own my time. I don't own my life. So... Wow. And I, I, I mean, t- it taking a vacation for that to spark within you is, you know, both kind of annoying because it's just like, ugh, I kind of ruined that time. But it was, su- it did open up this entire new perspective that you had. So talk to us kind of, was that the like aha moment of Aliyah and Fig? And then how did you reconnect with your sister? Was she still in Taiwan at this time? Yeah. So she was also crazy busy. That's why I feel like life is weird. Okay. So she's also experiencing the same thing, but on the other side of the world, she was traveling a lot between Taiwan and China and for work and she's nonstop. And then, so she knew I quit. So I told her, but no, I didn't have any plans. It was just like, okay, now I need my space to figure out what I want to do in life. Like I, cause I know this is not what I want. So then what? So that's when I really go like all out with anything creative that I can reach to, um, so while, like right before that, I, I, um, joined a program, just like a one-year program full-time for fashion merchandising, just to see if that's for me. Afterwards, I'm like, I don't know. And then I started doing all kinds of things like floor arrangement, <laughs> calligraphy, anything you can, I can find an online class for. I tried because I'm like, I miss out on these things. And I maybe I owe it to myself to spend just this year doing whatever, anything design, and at the same time, I think Terry was also hitting burnout. So she knows that I was trying to figure myself out. And then she also hit burnout. Um, I think she just realized it's the same thing where I think she, but she found that in her friendship is that like, I think there were 
a few really close friends that basically, you know, told her about it, called her out, like, hey, you haven't been showing up, and like, what's up? What's wrong with you? Is everything okay? And I think that's when she realized that she really missed the human connection um, outside of work, right? And so I think by the time that I feel like, okay, I've done all these creative things, I think I'm good on this, this journey for now, I'm ready to think about the next step. That's also when she hit burnout. So she called me, she's like, hey, so what have you been doing? Cause like, what's next for you? And then I was like, well, you wanna start something together? I don't really have an idea, but I wanna start my own thing. <laughs> so that's kind of how we started the journey. Long story short, I guess, we, we also, like Oli and Fig also took a somewhat of a pivot. So we started off doing uh, design. So we started off doing event design and then we got in touch with a lot of brands. So do event design and brand design for brands and businesses. And then we realized that I kind of missed the strategy part of corporate, which is really weird. I never thought I would say that, but that just kind of came back. So we thought, okay, now this is the perfect crossroad between the design side of things and strategy side of things, because you need both to grow a business, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, how did you know though, how, cause you came from a corporate world, but how did you know about design? Was it just because of that one year of exploration? Essentially what I'm trying to say in the nicest way possible, like what qualified you to mm. be giving design advice and design consulting to these brands? Yeah, so this is also something that I learned, I think, from this personal journey, whether or not it's the business we're running now or just design or anything actually we do now. I think school is good for certain things, for maybe, okay, the the A to Z of, I don't know, using certain softwares, like all the tools that you need to be a designer. I don't think the education that I went through at least gave me enough in terms of equip me to be ready to do the actual stuff, not the technical stuff that you, you can just buy online, like how to, how to get really good at Photoshop, how to get really good at CAD or Illustrator, all that stuff. Those you can find online. You don't really need education for that from school. And I feel to your question, I think we picked up design and I think it was weird because I think it was that exploration for fashion, for interior, for event design, um, Terry actually was in industrial design, so she also bring that angle in. Um, and she also was doing product design for a little bit. But it's, I think it's a combination of different types of design to keep your creative um, juice flowing and really open that side of my mind that I never thought I had before. And, and the rest is just skills that you can just Google and, yeah. you know, self-teach yourself. Yeah. I love And I want to reframe the question that Maddie just asked because Maddie asked, what made you qualified for that? And I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs stop is that they don't think they're qualified for something because they didn't graduate from a school in something or they've never done X, Y, and Z. And instead, as you said, if you bring a few perspectives, you have an eye, you have this experience, you figured it out and you're actually quite good at it. So I think that sometimes people don't jump into something because they feel they're quote unquote not qualified mm -hmm. when really everybody can bring a certain perspective to any industry, really. I mean, unless, you know, you don't want to be a brain surgeon without going mm -hmm. to school, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how did, in the beginning, because I want to get really kind of detailed around this um, because I run my own client service-based agency. How did you garner up your first clients and how quickly did your roster become to a point where it could sustain both you and your sister's lifestyle? Um, so we first started 
um, because we start in the event and um, more visual brand design um, and human experience space, start off from there, we build up a lot of partners, right? Because as you know, if you were to host an event, there's so many other vendors that need to be involved. If you were to do a photo shoot, so many other vendors need to be involved, partners. So then they actually become our customers after every collaboration. So a lot of our clients actually come from partnerships too. So one project might lead to five clients because they were partners doing that one project for one, that, that one client. So it kind of expanded that way. And then when we add a strategy, we keep them posted. So initially we help them with visuals. Now they're like, oh, you guys are also doing strategy. Let me jump in on this. So it's kind of one of those organic effects, but I think one thing Terry and I are always really clear on from the beginning is that we know how much customer experience will lead to new sales. So we're always really big on curating and doing, making sure that we get another happy customers, not just another customer. Like we're really big on that. I love that. Um, talk about the evolution of Olienfig because you mentioned that it first came out of event uh, experiences and now it's incorporating strategies. So what services specifically do you offer and then why why, women, why only women businesses? Um, so first of all, the service part. Um, so now we offer, because we need to scale, we have been doing one-on-one for a long time. So last year we were focusing on one-on-one coaching for any female entrepreneurs who's in their zero, between zero and five years. And this year, because we realized in order for them to afford one-on-one, it's really hard on people. And honestly, it is pretty counterintuitive to our mission if I can't help more people because they have financial constraint. So this year we're we started, we stopped um, the one-on-one and we're scaling. So we've scaled to online courses or even membership that's coming out really soon, just because we realized that a lot of these women, they need a lower budget way of getting consistent support. So I know a lot of consulting and coaching, they focus on one-on-one and that's kind of it. But the fact is they can only help people who can afford that, which is what we used to do, right? And we had to say no to a lot of people. So that's kind of to your question about services. So now we do mainly um, online and membership to in order to scale and use semi-customizable way to make sure that they're also getting what they need. And the second part, I think there was another question. Oh, just, you know, why women, why the focus oh. on females? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I always love that question. So it's, uh, again, it, we draw that from personal experience. Um, when I was in corporate, I actually worked in tech and being in the Silicon Valley, there is, as people know, right, most people are men. It doesn't matter if you're on the business side or the tech side. And I think being a young Asian woman, I find myself always being the youngest girl and the only girl in the group. And among a lot of white men, at least at the company that I was working at, even visiting clients and partners, these are 500, uh, Fortune 500 leadership, and they're usually old white men. And this one experience, and I... I just can never forget that day because we were on site at a customer site and the customer was an important one. And the people that went with me, my bosses, they introduced me who I am and that, you know, I'm the main point of contact on the account. Even hearing that, like a few minutes later, they turned to me and asked me, like the client asked me to go get something that like coffee or some drink or water or something. They totally forget the fact that I'm actually there as the point person. I was supposed to run the meeting rather than just assuming that I'm the coffee girl. And that always stayed with me because 
that was already after like five years into the company. And I just always feel this, this fear and the fact that I'm not enough for my job, as if I, I always feel like I have to do more in order to prove my weight at these type of, of um, meetings. And so that being said, you know, just throughout my corporate work, I, I often feel like I have to earn my place and work harder because we're in such a male dominant industry and area. And of course, age is an, an issue and how you look, you always have to look like you're older than you are and make sure I wear my wedding ring and things like that. It's stupid, but you think about this thing and you make sure you do it, right? And it's not right, it's not healthy. And then we start our business. And then I realized that there's a lack of support in this area in terms of the, the, the support that we were looking at, right? Coaches or mentors, they're either helping business from a very, I wanna say, like number driven, heavy, heavy number driven, bro type of way in terms of like, I'm the celebrity coach, I'm gonna help you, whether or not it's a male or, or female, but that's kind of, even if it's female, it's like, I'm the shiny celebrity coach and I'm gonna pull you over and you know, you're gonna succeed. And it's like getting the next sale and getting the next $1 million, things like that. But I, I find that's not what we needed. We needed a community. We needed someone who actually cared about what we wanted. We needed someone who can, who can empathize with where we are in our business and help us along our journey, right? And I think that's a very different approach. So because we also saw a lack um, of resources there, so that's kind of what we wanted to create. We want, we want to create a brand for us, for us yeah. women entrepreneurs, yeah. Have you read the book Brotopia? No, but- Oh my gosh. You need to read this book. A lot of what you were just mentioning about your experience in Silicon Valley, um, it is captured in this book. It's essentially the history of the bro culture within mm. the tech space. And a lot of women obviously came forward to it, to share their th those little microaggressions, those little tiny experiences that people don't think, you know, it's not outright sexual assault, but it's these little things that add up that are behind the scenes that amount to a bias within mm -hmm. women in tech. And I would really recommend reading it. It is incredible. But anyways, okay. back to, so you guys have coined this uh, term, I guess, hashtag fempreneur. Um, talk to us about what that means to you and then how the community is built around that. Yeah. So when we first um, started this, right, I mean, we wanted to create a brand for us. It's not us meaning not Terry and I, but us for the female entrepreneurs. Um, we don't want to create another brand that's like trying to pull people over rather than creating a community that, hey, we're all here for a reason because we have ideas. We have passion that we want to bring to the world. And this is what we're, how we're going to do it, right? If it's for branding and marketing, maybe come to Terry and I because um, maybe in this group, we know more than you. But... If I need like graphic or website execution or something else, or maybe I'm a baker, I need to connect with another uh, woman creating her um, baking company and brand. There's someone else in the community who's better at that. So that's kind of the concept. Um, so we're really big on intention, empathy, and community. This is like the three things that we always mention throughout our brand content, whatnot. And we kind of talk about our lifestyle that way too. And I think partly is also because the personal journey that I just share with you guys, how we weren't intentional at all when we were doing 
or corporate stuff. And now we're trying to do better, right, in, in our current um, life and in our business. So that's kind of the concept around it. So yeah. what does your lifestyle look now? You know, because obviously yeah. you made a shift, you quit your job, you created this thing, you know, you are being intentional. What does your lifestyle look like now? So every quarter, we actually put it as a role because Terry and I just need need to make sure we take a vacation every single quarter for ourselves because I think we, um, too often, you know, especially with your own business, you just get, you love your business so much that you forget to create the space for yourself so you can do better work in your business. So that's number one is every quarter we have to take a trip, um, at least one trip and it's on the calendar, right? It doesn't matter where you want to go or together or not separate. Um, so that's number one. Two is I do have this weekly routine where um, I make sure um, we work less and less and more effectively every single quarter. So this, this year, our big goal is to work four days a week and four hours a day. Um, that being said, we want to make sure that, yeah, I know we're, we're, we're huge on systemizing. I love it. No, this is incredible. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, back to your question is that I think life is just, there's so much more to life and living that we want work to be part of it, but not 80% of it. Like how you would be if you were in corporate, right? I mean, just think about your week. It's nine to five, five days a week. If you look back at the end of your life, that is so much time of your life. That's the majority of your time, right? So we wanted to kind of flip that and use this approach. And so um, besides, you know, the number of hours we try to work towards, Every Friday, we make sure that this is the day for learning and creating. So this is kind of the idea day or um, the day that we learn something new, whether or not it's work or non-work related. Um, but we are trying to be a better human being in general and however we want to be. If this means, you know, I'm going to read another book or listen to another podcast or take another class, you know. So we make oh, sure we do that too. I love it. It's like your, your self-development is the work in a way like it's like this like crazy systemized way to better yourself and improve and and um, improve the quality of your life I think a lot of people do not place emphasis on that and do not actually approach it with strategy I think people like to think that they do and just say like I have these types of rituals but this is like a real intentional we are, we are building towards a better well-being. Mm -hmm. And I love yeah, that. I mean, and, and I think it's definitely has been a process, right? And, and I realized that, oh, I have to, <laughs> I have to put this on my calendar, actually systemizing it for me personally to actually do it or else I'm just not going to follow it. So um, yeah, we'll try to do that. And I also, I mean, I have all sorts of weird routines, <laughs> but I also have this morning routine. What I, I'm a morning person. So I so try to do, we. awesome. Um, so yeah, so I try to carve out my morning to do everything that's for me, um, whether or not that, that maybe, you know, the Audible book that I'm reading right now for pleasure, uh, meditation or workout, or just do my pour over, um, really enjoying that time by myself, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, that's also part of it, which I never got before. <laughs> Could you give some examples of systems that you've placed in order, some very specific, whether it's color coding your, your calendar or, you know, what it might be that someone who's looking to organize their workflow a little bit more can utilize? Yeah, of course. 
So um, we learned that, and I think a lot of people talk about this, where, you know, your most precious time is when you wake up, it's kind of that first three hours. Um, so I try to do my most important work uh, to be the first thing in the morning. So every night before I actually, sorry, every Monday, I will map out the, this coming week. So every day, I will kind of have a vision in terms of what are the three most important things I need to get done for the next uh, Monday to Thursday. And then every day I wake up, I just make sure that I tackle those first. And I don't need to answer another email that came in, right? And usually, I, at least the nature of our work, it's not, nothing's urgent, no one's dying. So we wouldn't have emails that absolutely need to be answered right now. Um, so uh, the first thing in the morning that we do is instead of answering messages, responding to emails, we make sure that we start off with the three most important things first. And if you get one or two done, that's already a huge progress because these are the most important things that you're supposed to do today. Um, and then the second thing is I don't, I don't open my email or messages before 11. And I make sure our team knows about it. Everyone knows about it. If you have something really urgent, just call me, which never happens. Um, and yeah, and people know that because I, I, I find that being very helpful because I think now, because of technology, we have this tendency of responding to things. But in order for us to do, 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 to do good work, um, we have to wake up and being in that proactive mode rather than reactive mode. And I think back then, I'm like such, uh, I'm like one of those bugs, you know, like when the phone lights up, I would just react to it. I'm like one of those people. So I try to do better. And that's why I, I started this rule for myself, which has been working really well. So I don't, don't even open um, a tab with emails or anything before 11. So that's also one system I love and that's been working for people. Mm -hmm. And um, there is also another one where, you know, if we work from Monday to Thursday, I make sure I kind of block, batch my tasks. I think that's a better way of saying it. So like Monday is my um, content creation day because I write, I love creating content for our community. And that's the one thing that I don't really delegate is the emails and the blog posts. So I write those and everything that Monday is my content creation day. Tuesday is my meeting day. Um, so it's all customer facing training, anything, right? Videos all um, on Tuesday. And then Wednesday is my, um, oh, Wednesday is my internal meeting day. So everything internal is on Wednesday. And then Thursday is my design day. So anything that needs um, visual checkup, anything, you know, if we were still to do photo shoots, which will only take um, for re by referrals now, um, but anything design related, I focus that on Thursday because, you know, again, we do better work when we do deep work. So I find that being really helpful. Um, and I heard people have found it being really helpful as well. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's really admirable. I think I'm, I've been toying around with the psychology of productivity and what it means for different people and what works. And, um, I have heard that where it's, there's a, you, you batch the tasks and assign the day to be devoted And it. I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense, right? You want to be focused and not have your brain sc scattered, uh, throughout the day. And I find myself being that way where it is, like you said, the like jerk reaction to like any pop-up or notification or, and just the, 
the uh, expectation to reply immediately and always be available, but maybe like easing back on those expectations not only like helps you to do more thoughtful and intentional work, but um, allows you to just feel less stressed, it seems like less yeah. cortisol <laughs> rising throughout yeah, the day. For sure. Um, I do want to talk about sisters. So you work with your sister, you have a company with your sister. Um, you know, Scout and I have spoken a lot about this topic. I think people expect, you know, working with family to be, um, very challenging. And for some people it definitely can be. And I, but I think that working with my sister has helped to kind of, there's no bullshit is the like easy way to say it. Like, there's no, we're so transparent and so honest with each other that there is no like, oh, I'm going to hurt her feelings or, oh, I need to tiptoe and like, think about how I'm going to give this feedback. It's very blunt. And that allows us to move past things quickly, get shit done. And there is just this level of understanding that we have between each other. Do you find that is the same with you and kind of what is your working relationship like with Terry? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think one thing, and I also agree that it doesn't work for everyone. It works only for certain siblings and, you know, personalities and contexts really matter. But I agree with you that there's no bullshit, right? If I were to work with a friend, even if the friend is really close, I worry about her feelings a little too much. I think I would. Um, where with, with sister, because uh, with Terry, because we're really close, um, and also another interesting thing is we're total opposite of each other. So because we're close and we understand that and understand each other enough, that even though we're so different, that actually becomes an advantage, not just at work, not our, not just our you know, strengths and weaknesses, but it's just the way we, we complement each other. Like say if I'm having not, good of a, not so good of a day, I would tell her, right, she would be my cheerleader and she would know exactly how to cheer me on. Um, and the other way works too. Or if I feel um, that I failed on certain things, right? And, and I feel like you guys, from, from our conversation, I feel like you guys can relate to this where you guys are, um, how do you say this? I think a lot of us are really dedicated to the work we do. And it's really good because we're really responsible. We want to reply to that message right away. I think that's a good thing because we're, we really want to dedicate ourselves to our work. But at the same time, whenever something negative happens, what I found is that um, there were times when I took it too personally, right? It doesn't define my worth. Your business does not define your worth. And I always say this, but it does happen. While I preach it, it does happen sometimes. So I will have to turn to Terry and she would know exactly, first of all, what, what I'm going through because we're in this together. Second is because we're so close, she knows my personality. She would know how to empathize with me and know what to say and to be there for me wholeheartedly and then grow out of it together. So yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, being running a sister team is definitely a blessing. And I think we're lucky to be able to do that. Yes. Amen. I yeah. agree. Yeah. It also brings you close to a level that you never you know, it opens up a different side of your relationship that you did not know was present. For uh, sure, for sure. Yeah. So we ask all of our guests this. If you could brag about one thing in your life and don't be humble, what would you brag about? Oh, I design my own lifestyle. Yeah. I love that. I never yes, thought I could do. say that. <laughs> yeah. I never thought I could say that, but yeah, 
I, I'm really happy about it. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it seems like yeah. you have you have really nailed down the personal definitions of success, the personal metrics of productivity. I think that's something that I've tried to uh, come to terms with and just tried to de- define internally. Um, and it seems like you really have you're very confident in those personal <laughs> definitions. And yeah. that is that is something to brag about for sure. Thank Yay. you. Well, well, the thing is, it is a journey. And I feel like, and I feel like that's what I learned the most is that there's no ending to this thing, right? There is, there's no like check mark where you're like, checked, I'm good, I'm there, right? And I feel like that's kind of the one thing that I take away from all my experience is that it's a journey and you are on a journey and, you know, we we meet at some point, we connect, and then you will find your way to figure out your system. And this is a system that works for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but yeah, it works for me. I love that. And if anybody wants to join the hashtag Fempreneur community, where can they go? Tell everyone where we can find you. Yes, of course. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Oleanfig. That's O-L-E-A-A-N-D-F-I-G. And you'll also see all the goodies, all the freebies um, there. And we also have a private group over at Facebook and the link will, you can also find that on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Your Instagram is rad and beautiful. Everyone, please follow them for some premium content and you can also follow us at OKSIS Podcast. Love you, we love you sisters. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.